podcast is brought to you by the Wharton Global Youth Program. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Future of the Business World, the podcast featuring teen entrepreneurs and innovators from across the globe. I'm Diana Drake with the Wharton Global Youth Program at the Wharton School, University of Pennsylvania. At Wharton Global Youth, we introduce business and finance education to high school students in ways that provoke curiosity and thoughtfulness and help empower the next generation of business leaders. Our guests on FBW are aspiring leaders and innovators. They've thought deeply about the problems facing our planet and are working toward finding solutions. Today's focus is racial injustice, an issue that has quite literally spilled out into the streets in the US this past year, following the death of George Floyd and repeated violence against people of color. The fight for justice and equality is also strong in the business world with the spotlight on diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workplace. Moniola Odunsi, a high school student in Virginia, is part of a team that recently took first place in the Moody's Foundation Peace and Justice Challenge, a part of the Nifty World Series of Innovation. The team's winning idea equally identifies implicit bias in text and promotes progress toward equal justice. Moniola, welcome to Future of the Business World. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for having me, Diana, on the podcast. I'm so honored to be here to talk about myself, Equally, which I developed with my teammates, Sora Shirai, a 15-year-old innovator from New Hampshire, and Swalia Yashad, a 16-year-old innovator from Texas, and talk more about peace and justice as a whole. So thank you so much for having me. Oh, well, it's wonderful to have you. We're off to a great start. So first, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? As you all now know, my name is Moniala Odunsi. I am a 16-year-old innovator, as you said, from Maryland. I go to school in Virginia, who is passionate about changing the world. So from a young age, I've always been drawn to the business and innovation fields. Um, while my friends are watching Disney Channel, I was a kid watching Shark Tank on Friday evenings and with my dad. And I think I just really loved the autonomy of the business field and the fact that you are your own boss, right? And you get to make your own decisions. But even more than that, I really love the fact that you can create long lasting change in the business field. And then it can be immediate change. It can be change that happens in five or 10 years, but you can have such a big impact on other people's lives with your own creativity and your own mind. And I just really love that aspect of the business field. And, and I still love that aspect. And it's why I desire to be in it today. So leading up to talking a bit about this idea you have, what drew you to innovate around peace and justice? Were you already tuned into that idea of building societies that provide equal justice for all? Yeah, this is a really great question without a simple answer. Um, I don't really think there is one specific moment or one specific thing that led me to innovate around peace and justice. I mean, just as a young Black woman in the United States, I've always had to think about peace and justice issues that concern me and those who look like me. It really just comes with being Black in the United States, never really feeling safe in a society where you're supposed to have your rights and feel secure, right? It's the feeling of fear every time you see blinking red and blue lights behind you while you drive. And I think 
a lot of people think that this affects you when you're grown, when you're an adult. But I remember being in kindergarten and we had gotten donuts to bring to my school uh, for uh, my birthday. And we were driving, my dad gets pulled over. And I just remember feeling such panic. I thought the immediate worst. I was so scared and I was only in kindergarten, right? But I had saw this so many times on the news and it just scared me. And that continues for so, it's the same reality for so many black Americans every single day, millions in our country. We quite literally fear the people who are supposed to keep us safe. And so after seeing racial violence against the black community, Asian community, and just minorities as a whole become so indisputably apparent during the COVID-19 pandemic lockdown, my desire to affect change in this area just exponentially increased. And just seeing stories about George Floyd, Ahmed Arbery, Breonna Taylor, and so many more alike who died simply because they were racially profiled as a threat before they even posed one, um, it, it just really spoke to me as a reality that I don't want to see in the future and I don't want future generations to have to live with. Well, I can definitely feel and hear your passion for this issue. And I think before we actually talk about your venture though, I wanna understand a little bit of context and I wanna help maybe unpack some of the some of the concepts that are involved. Can you talk about implicit bias and what is its influence on issues of equality and social justice? Yeah, yeah, so that's a great question too. Uh, so just for a general definition, uh, implicit bias is the tendency to associate a specific race or people of that race with stereotypes, but you do it subconsciously. And I think it's really important to note that I have implicit bias, you have implicit bias, we are all affected by implicit bias in some form or another because of the society we have been bred in, right? It's not something that we can run away from. Uh, I mean, ideally it wouldn't be in our society, but it's such a systemic issue that has been rooted in centuries of racism in our country that still has massive effects today. So as an example, um, a study that influenced the building of Equally was the implicit association test done in 1998. And it showed that 68% of people were able to associate white faces with good words faster than they did black faces. And that's just one of many examples. Another example that is seen so frequently is when people see a black person walking on the sidewalk towards them. And then they switch, they switch, they go across the street because they think that they are going to pose some threat to them before they even engage. And so those are just two examples that show that uh, impl what implicit bias is. And implicit bias has such a fundamental effect on equality and justice because society can say, uh, oh, we want to have an equal society or we buy for equality, right? But actions speak so much louder than words in this case and so many other cases. So if we just take the recent killing of Dante Wright by Kim Porter, this is an officer who had decades of experience in her role, right? She had served for so many years, but just seeing this 20 year old black man who 
just got out of teenagehood, right? He just turned, um, he's a forming adult, right? And she saw him and immediately believed that he was a threat because of his skin color and associated him with such, I believe, before she even engaged with him, right? And her implicit bias and racial profiling of him and people who look like him ended up in his death. So for many, implicit bias is the uh, difference between life and death and has such a massive effect. So let's get into it. Your team software platform equally identifies implicit bias in text. Can you tell us the mechanics about how it works? Yes, definitely. So as you said, equally is a software designed to check and correct bias language in people's writing. So it would begin by asking the user to identify the race of their audience. So just using the options common on US forums, it would ask for white, black or African-American, American Indian or Alaskan Native, Asian, Native Hawaiian or other Pacific Islander, multiracial or unknown if you don't know the race. And then using the Google Cloud Natural Language API equally would perform sentiment analysis to identify the text's overall attitude on a numerical scale from one, which would be very negative to 10, which would be very positive. And this just references the fact that as the implicit association test showed that people are more faster and more likely to associate white faces with good words and black faces and other minorities with negative words. And so as more data is collected, equally will analyze the central tendency of this numerical value for each racial group. So this is really just to avoid any like flukes. I, you can be writing an angry email to someone regardless of their race, but if it becomes a trend and across multiple people who are of that race, it's more likely that it is a bigger issue, which my team and I have identified as implicit bias. So if equally notices that this central tendency is lower for a particular race, the next time the user writes to someone of that race and uses a negative word, equally will recommend a more positive word for the user to use. So this addresses the accountability aspect. Uh, a lot of people fail to recognize the fact that they do have implicit bias and they fail to recognize who they are most implicitly biased towards and that there are ways to help combat this. Have you tested it with actual person-to-person -person messaging? Um, and what did you learn about the prevalence of it? I, you know, I think you're right. Most of us have implicit bias, right? Um, but I'm just curious what your results were when you actually pulled out the data. Right, so unfortunately, we have not been able to test this right now, uh, equally still in the development phase. So we are still doing a lot of research and we're hoping to test this on a large group of people shortly. Uh, there are so many studies that show the prevalence of implicit bias. However, we really want to do our own study. And so that is definitely in the planning phase. But for right now, I think all I can tell you is that, like I said, we're all in affected by implicit bias in some way. So you mentioned that you still have some work to be done in terms of developing this out um, and testing it. What about the machine learning that's involved? Um, is the technology part of it? Have you made progress there? And do you hope to make more progress in the future? Yeah, so Sora Swally and I are definitely excited to continue this project. Uh, we really believe in the mission. and. Right now we're doing a lot of research, as I mentioned, into the sentiment analysis and 
Google Cloud and just technical aspect of it all. Uh, we have reached out to so many different professors and people of experience, and we have started to look at the code and there are various YouTube videos and resources on the sentiment analysis aspect of it. Uh, just to become more well versed in it. We've also reached out to someone at Grammarly, who uh, that that platform was a big inspiration for equally, uh, <laughs> you get the name right. And so, so we're definitely doing a lot more research into the machine learning aspect of it, because that's going to, of course, be a big part. And in the coming few months, we hope to acquire data sets and learn more about those and just the overall technical side as a whole. And do you feel you're going to have a lasting impact on racial injustice? Yeah, so this was a question that our whole team talked about when developing the idea, how big of an impact can equally have, because implicit bias is such a systemic issue that it's hard to say that, oh, Obviously, racism is not going to be solved by equally, right? But I think that one thing that equally does address, again, is the accountability aspect and the identification aspect that is part of the longer journey of combating racism. So it may not solve implicit bias right away because it is a systemic issue, but it allows people to recognize and understand their implicit bias, which is the first step in the longer journey of achieving equality. You mentioned at the beginning of our conversation that you're passionate about the business world, even beyond entrepreneurship. Can we talk a little bit about the intersection of your business interests and social justice? How will you make a meaningful change in the area as a business leader? And do you hope you will? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so much of my business interests go hand in hand with social justice, just because the lack of social justice is an issue that weighs heavily on my mind daily and business, especially the innovation aspect is quite literally about solving issues, right? But I think along with business positively affecting social justice, I think there's as much work to be done for equality to become more apparent in the business field. Uh, if you take a look at the top executive business leaders or business titans, um, as you may call them, you'll quickly notice that most are white men. I obviously am not a white man, so past just the work I aspire to achieve in the business field, I believe that by simply being in the field and setting my goals and hope so high, and these are goals that I believe I am going to achieve, I'm helping to continue a precedent that many before me have proven that black women can be just as and even more successful than their white male counterparts in the field. You've said before that Generation Z is committed to this idea of inclusion. So not a world that does not see color, but rather one that appreciates color. Tell me about the progress that you're seeing and um, more, what more would you hope that your peers do to influence change? Yes, yes. First of all, I'm so glad that you said uh, inclusion is not a world that does not see color, but one that appreciates it because I think that's something that a lot of people don't understand, right? So um, first of all, just thank you for saying that. And then uh, to answer your question, I definitely have hope in my generation. Um, I know I've talked a lot about the work that needs to be done, but seeing the amount of movements and ideas that have been started 
by Gen Z that have arisen to advance the goal of equality, even just in the past year and how much impact they have been able to have. Uh, I think a common misconception is that change starts when you're a certain age, typically in adult age, right? And I completely disagree with this. And I sincerely believe that my generation has debunked this theory. Uh, I think my generation wants to see and live in a future in which equality is not just an ideal, but an actual reality. And a lot of people say that we are the future change makers and future leaders, but I would say that we can and are those people right now. But of course, at the same time, I'm not saying Gen Z is perfect, right? I think there is still a lot of work that needs to be done. And I think a lot of that comes with the day and age of social media. Uh, and how much our generation has been influenced by such. And trends are cool and trends are fun, right? But people's lives still continue past just Instagram trends. And I think a really good example of this is when George Floyd was murdered back in uh, March. Uh, and we, we saw just a flood of Instagram stories of people saying, I stand with the Black community, right? There was a day where was, that was specifically set for uh, people to post Black screens in, 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 uh, to say that they stand with the Black community. And this, this is amazing, right? But I think what our generation or my generation really needs to become aware of is passive activism is not going to produce change, right? Instagram trends, are good, but you actually have to put in active steps to see that change become reality. And so I think just that step from passive activism to actively advocating and actively standing with these minority populations is something that my generation still needs to understand. And what ways do you think you would recommend that they actively stand with them? Right, so I think that act, active uh, activism can be big or it can be small, right? It can be just simply in your household if someone says something that is racist or something that you know is fundamentally wrong, correcting them. Uh, you don't have to uh, post it online, right? A million people don't have to see it, but just that simple action and maybe that starts a chain reaction where they go to another person and tells them that, oh, or, or they see someone else and they're like, oh, well, this, this is not right for this, this, and this reason, right? Or it can be larger. Maybe you start your own movement and you continue to post resources online, but you, you actually donate to these causes, right? You're not just posting links online and saying, go donate and not doing anything behind the camera, right? you're actually doing these things. And then I think it's also just continuing the conversation past the trend, not letting, because people don't stop being black after the, the news coverage stops covering the movement, right? They continue. And so I think it's just that consistency and uh, wanting to actually do more that is more than enough. One question I like to ask all of the entrepreneurs we interview on Future of the Business World is if you could change one thing in the world, what would it be? Ah, uh, this is such a hard question. Uh, <laughs> I remember getting asked this as a child and I was like, oh my goodness, I don't know what to say. But I think if I could change one thing in the world, it would probably be people's open-mindedness and ability to have empathy for others. I think 
that this is something that is missing from our world right now. And if everyone had this, I sincerely believe that so many of our issues that populate the world would be solved. Uh, I think that ignorance is a choice in a lot of situations and a lot of people have chosen that. And so I think being able to say that everyone is open-minded and has this empathy for others would just eradicate so many of the issues that we see right now. Let's wrap up with our lightning round. So please answer these questions as quickly as you can. Okay. What, ready? What is a technology that blows your mind? Uh, uh, CO2 absorbing fabrics. It basically means that you are a walking plant. <laughs> All right, I won't go down that road any further, but it sounds fascinating. In only a few words, what does business leadership mean to you? Inspiring others to be their best self. One goal, big or small, that you have set for yourself in the next year? Definitely being intentional about spending time with my friends and family before I head off to college. If you could work for any company in the world, which would you choose? Uh, this is so hard. There's so many. But if I had to choose, I think I'm going to say two, Google or Facebook. Okay. What show would we catch you binge watching at midnight? Ginny and Georgia, amazing show. And which business person would you most like to take to lunch? Cheryl Sandberg. Uh, I think she speaks for herself, but she's such a boss lady and such an inspiration for me and how she's been able to break so many glass ceilings and barriers that society has put in front of her. And she's just such an inspiration for me. Maniola, it has been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you for joining us on Future of the Business World. Thank you so much, Diana. I really appreciate it. And bye, everyone. Discover more opportunities for high school students and educators at globalyouth.wharton.upenn.edu.